Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hey, so, so we are all being formed by something. Do you know what you're being formed by? We're all on a path somewhere. Do you know who you are following on that path? For me, I want that answer to be Jesus. Amen? I want to I know that I'm on the path with Jesus. I want to know that I'm being formed by Jesus. But we're all being formed to look like something. And we're on the path to go somewhere. And as a house, we, we want to be formed by Jesus. We want to be on the path with Jesus and uh, we know that there is a culture here we've talked about it in South Florida that has a path that's heading toward a formation that we may not want and if we are not cognizant of what this culture is trying to form us into and the path is trying to lead us on we are going to look just like it we are in our summer of faith message Series. Have you been getting anything out of this? Yeah, yeah. Have you been getting anything out of this? I hope it's been stirring your faith. I hope you've been growing in faith. I hope you feel your faith being challenged a little bit. But if we are going to be discipled by Jesus, if we're going to be on the path with Jesus, if we're going to be uh, transformed into a life that looks like Jesus, we are going to have to exercise our faith. Because we have to be following a path that is not as easy to see as the path that this culture wants us to go down. The power to live this culture, the power to live in the likeness of Jesus, the power to live counter to the culture that we see in South Florida comes by faith, and by this faith, you will be able to live what your heart truly desires. We were all created to live in the presence of God. We were created to live a culture that honors God. We were created to live a life formed by God. This is what our inner man, what our inner person deeply, deeply longs for. And it's what the world promises, but it's not what the world can deliver. You say amen. We've been studying in this message series the word faith. Remember this? We talked about believing faith. We talked about trusting faith, right? And we talked about how there is obeying faith. And trusting faith is expressed by being faithful to God in His ways. Remember we talked about this last week. Trusting faith is expressed by being faithful to God in His ways. That's We don't see the payoff, but by faith we know that God has a payoff that's better than whatever the world could give us. That's trusting faith. This is faithfulness. This is what the Bible calls faithfulness. I am being faithful to the truth that has been revealed to me even if I don't see it right now. 
in many ways, I find this the highest level of faith, if I could be completely honest with you. I want faith to move mountains, but I need faith to keep me faithful. I need faith that keeps me faithful to what God has revealed Himself to be. And then I find that the miracles begin to take care of themselves. Faithfulness is a heart condition where a person decides that following Jesus is the beginning of their ethics. How do you define who you are and what you do with your life? How do you define how you make decisions and what your family is going to do and what it's not going to do? Hopefully it is, I have met Jesus and therefore, this is how I live my life. Last week we talked about how God told us to test Him. You remember that? The one time in scriptures he told us to test him, he talked about in our finances. The first 10% goes to God, trusting him to bless our finances in ways that this world cannot understand, in ways we don't understand, is expressing our faithfulness to him. There is a God over money. The Bible calls him mammon. It's the only false God in scripture that Jesus names by name. He says it in uh, Matthew 6.24. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. It's the only God He names. Only false God He names in the entire New Testament. Why? Because it runs so many of our lives. We all want to move into the place where faith is over our finances. So we're not a slave to money, but money is a tool in our pocket. Amen. If we're faithful to God, He will show up in our lives and wealth personified as mammon is a false God. It's the only false God that is dominating our culture here in South Florida. If we're going to have trusting faith, we need to make sure we don't place our precious faith in false gods. Amen? And so I was ready today to move into obeying faith. And as I sat in God's presence in the middle of the week, he began talking to me. You ever have a plan and then Jesus starts talking to you? That doesn't line up with your plan. Has anybody ever experienced that? You're like, I got a plan. And Jesus said, I got a plan too. You're like, but I already got a plan. He's like, but I got a plan. He said, I thought trust Trusting faith was expressed by following God and His ways. I was like, all right, I guess I'll go with your plan, Jesus. What what are we doing? What's going on? He said, said, you're not done with trusting faith. I said, but next week is obeying faith. I already put out a video. I put out a newsletter. Um, um, I'm not sure if you know. He said, yeah. You're not done. So we see that trusting faith is faithfulness. And so God says to me, you talked about internal faithfulness, which is great. I said, I never heard that term before, Jesus. Thank you very much. He talked about internal faithfulness where we, where, where we, uh, where we trust God with going on in our lives. He says, but you didn't talk about, you don't have to put it up yet, so on, but you didn't talk about external faithfulness. I was like, I never heard of external faithfulness. He says, oh, you did now. Now we're talking about it. I was like, all right, Jesus, I'll, I'll get in the word and I will begin to study that. So if you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 18. 
and we're going to dig in the Word. Are you ready for what God has for us in the Word today? I thank you for reading your Bible. I thank you for bringing your Bible if you read a paper Bible or having your Bible app open. And I know it's challenging to have your phone on and not look at every social media platform out there. I only ask that you're on social media, at least post that you're here, right? Just at least call it evangelistic, right? You're not, you're not, you're not, you know, letting your mind wander. You're evangelizing while you're here, all right? That's make it spiritual. Internal faithfulness. You can put it up now, Swana. When we stay faithful to God as He's revealed Himself to us. Internal faithfulness is something we do in our heart. It's in our mind. It's, it's a commitment to believe something God says. It is so. Internal faithfulness is when God tells you, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to believe. These are the ethics I want you to have. Internal faithfulness is saying, this is already decided in my life. I can't revisit this. God revealed to me that Pastor Tracy's my wife. Praise God, before we got married. It wasn't, I didn't need it after. It was before we got married. And so we got married, and now that is settled. It's settled. I can't be unfaithful without being unfaithful to God. If I were to be unfaithful to Pastor Tracy, I would be unfaithful to God because he has told me that this is the covenant I'm supposed to come into. So I know that I know that I know that Tracy Thomas is my wife. It's settled. That's my ethic. I don't go against that. And so I, I live my life in a way where there aren't, I don't have other options. Does that make sense? I live my life so there aren't any other options. We were talking about this recently because there's a, there's a show on, um, I don't know, one of the streaming services about that website that allowed people to have affairs. And we were, we were thinking about watching it. And, uh, and, and I was like, you know, I, to me, it's about the data breach and all that. And so we were getting ready to watch it. And I was like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to watch this. And she's like, I don't want you to watch it and think that that's an option. I'm like, well, that's, that's never going to happen. So like we, you know, we've chosen not to buy a second car right now for us. So like, I'm never away from her. Like, I, I don't, like I would, I don't. Like, it's literally not an option. I don't, I don't know what, I'd have to jog somewhere. You know, I don't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even physically know. I don't even know who I would do it with because I, I like, I don't meet people outside of, like, I don't think this is going to happen with any of you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not an option because I've set my life up so it's not an option. Does this make sense? There's like, there's like, like, like for me to be unfaithful to what God has told me in my marriage I'm not a step away from unfaithfulness. It would take me like seven steps. Right? There aren't women in my life that I'm close to that we could take that next step. I just don't, they're just, I would have to like befriend a woman. And then we'd have to develop some sort of, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know what the process would look like. Then I would have to like Tell her to lie with me or something. I don't, I don't even know what would happen. It would take so many steps. And so I set my hedge of protection so far away from that that it would be hard for me not to be faithful to God in this situation. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. L let me tell you, with my, with, with, with my finances, we, we, we have pretty much, I have a fixed income, right? Um, 
And so my, my, my tithes and offering are direct deposit. Like that comes out every week. So for me to not be faithful in my finances, I have to purposefully tell the bank that I don't want to be faithful. Like it's not like I can just like, for me, I don't have to wrestle with it every Sunday. It's, it's already decided. And if I get any extra income from offerings, people bless me or I sell something, then, then I have a, a choice to make. But every Sunday I'm standing there and I'm just looking at my, my giving receipt. Like I get, a, I, get a, I get a text message. Like you gave, or an email. I get an email. You gave. All right, hey, praise God. Lift up to Jesus. It's already settled. Like this is settled for me. This is what I do. I'm not wrestling with these things. I want to move on from the elementary things. I want to move into the more mature things. I don't want to wrestle with things I wrestled with 10 years ago. Right? And so I just, we, we take care of some things so there aren't options. Like I'm trying to limit some of my options. Does that make sense? And so that's this, that's this faithfulness. I'm almost going to read the scripture, Mike. You don't let your fingers get tired. And so, and so being faithful is, 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 it's more than just me doing the right thing though. Right? I, I, I'm faithful to my wife because I love her and she's worthy, but also because I'm, I'm, I'm submitted to God. Right? Um, but, it's, but it's more than that. Being faithful is, it, it's a connection with God on a spiritual level. It's a connection where His Spirit lives in me and my life becomes an extension of His. This is where I want to live. I want my life to be an extension of God's life. This is internal faithfulness, and it's being worked out. It's me trusting God's plan for my life. But at the same time, I need to work out my external faithfulness. External faithfulness, as I have come to study, is where I trust God to move through my life. This takes a little more faith at times. Clement of Alexandria said, the faithful person lives constantly with God. And this is where I demonstrate the faithfulness of God, not just in my life, but in other people's lives. This is where I demonstrate the faithfulness of God in other people's lives as God moves through me. What, what, what does all that mean, Pastor? Let's, let's get in the Word. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. Now Jesus was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. The, the, every other um, translation of the Bible there, she cries out, give me justice. Give me justice. For, for a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. <clears throat> Make sure I'm in the right spot here. Yeah, I'm, in the wrong, I'm in the wrong book of the Bible. Y'all still love me, right? I appreciate that. <clears throat> Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, or I will give her justice. Otherwise, by she will otherwise by continually coming, she'll wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith 
on the earth. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we trust that you will bless it and be present as we teach it in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Mikey. I appreciate your faithfulness. Now, we have a, we have a parable here. Now, a parable, of course, is a story that is not to be taken literally, but it's a story that Jesus tells to make a bigger point, right? So there wasn't literally a woman and a judge. We know that because it says at the very beginning, he was telling a parable, right? Just teaching us how to interpret the Bible here. It's important that we understand how to read the Scripture and how to understand what we're reading. But Jesus tells stories to teach us things that we would not believe if he just gave us a proverb. If you just read the Proverbs and believed them, Jesus wouldn't need to give any parables. And if you believed the parables, we wouldn't have to read the entire stories in the Old Testament. But the Old Testament stories are long versions of Jesus' short versions of the Proverbs. If we were just to follow the wisdom of God, we wouldn't need all this explaining, but we are slow. And we're hard of heart, and we don't like to change and learn. So Jesus is patient, and He is kind, and he came down in flesh to say, now you can't say you didn't know, right? So he came down to break it down for us. But in this parable, it's important to understand where this parable fits in the teachings of Jesus as we read it in Luke. The parable before this one, Jesus is telling a story. This is a long story. And the parable right before this one, Jesus talked about how he's coming back. And he's like, y'all better be ready because I am coming back. And they're like, you're here. Are you going somewhere? Like, yeah, no, he's coming back, right? And in the parable after this one, he talked about people being so self-righteous that they didn't think they needed God. So in between this parable, Jesus is coming back, and people are so self-righteous, they don't think they need God. There's a story. And in this story, we see just two people. We see a judge, a judge who did not deserve to be a judge because he was unrighteous and didn't honor God. God. And then we see a woman, a woman who was a widow who the Jewish law tells us should be getting taken care of. But she wasn't being taken care of. And not only was she not being taken care of, she was suffering injustice. And so we see this widow going to this judge seeking justice. She says, give me justice from my opponent. Now, this word here in this scripture, this justice, this is the very same word that we read in Revelation chapter 6. Now, I know you all have chapter 6 memorized, but for those who may be a guest today, in, uh, in, in Luke chapter, excuse me, Revelation chapter 6, we see, the, we see this picture of heaven, and there's this throne room, and there are um, all the martyred saints, all the Christians who were murdered for their faith, right? Not, not people who didn't... Who didn't get Merry Christmas said to them at Starbucks, right? That's not a martyr. That's not persecution. Don't, don't fall into this trap, okay? That's not it. When people say, if you continue to confess Jesus, we're going to murder you, and then they murder you, that's persecution, all right? If people say, like, I've seen your church, your pastor is a jerk, I don't want to be around you, that's not persecution. That's us not representing Jesus well. Right? There's a difference, right? There's one, one is called you get what you deserve, and the other one is being martyred. And so all these people who were persecuted, they were actually murdered. They're, be, they're beneath the throne, 
and, and, and John the Revelator is in heaven and he sees these persecuted, these martyred Christians crying out to Jesus, when, O oh Lord, when will you avenge us? When will you bring justice, O oh Lord? It's the same word. It's only shown like four times in all of the New Testament. And one is right here where Jesus spoke it. The same words being spoken by the martyrs around the throne. When will you avenge us and bring justice where there is injustice? And, and this woman is saying, look, this is important. The woman is before the judge and she knows that what she's going through is wrong. She knows that what's happening to her is contrary to what is righteous. And Jesus tells this story purposefully. We have a woman who knows injustice is happening. She's not wondering, maybe it's me. Maybe I deserve to be beaten. Maybe I deserve unrighteousness, right? Like we fall into these traps. Like maybe it's a test from God. Maybe God is causing this unrighteous thing to happen for me to learn something. No, she doesn't have any of that cloudy thinking. She's like, I know God. This is wrong. And I'm going to the one who can make it right. It's important to understand this paradigm. There is God's will. God's will is not being fulfilled. She is going to the person who can fulfill God's will and demanding justice. Right? You follow me here. And so, and so Jesus is telling this story to provoke us to action. We have authority to stand before God and demand justice. When we know God's will, we have authority to stand before God and demand justice. We don't have authority to be disrespectful to God. God is not our servant. But we have authority to demand justice, to cry out, this is wrong. I have been robbed. I have been treated wrongly. God, I demand justice to happen. Just like how we come against the oppression of the false god mammon by saying, you aren't going to rule over me. I am going to be generous to God. You're not going to dictate what happens with my money. Jesus is telling us that there is victory against injustice in this world when we are followers of Jesus. It's a major theme of the New Testament that is completely lost in many in the West. That Jesus demands justice. He demands righteous scales. He demands, especially for those who are on the margins of society, to be treated with justice. But it requires trusting faith. And, and, and as I remember that first week, I talked about what faith isn't. I, I want to talk a little bit about what external faith, external faithfulness, is not right. Here's here's the trap we fall into when we talk about, you know, I'm just trusting God. I'm just trusting God for this. And I'm like, you're trusting God for what exactly? I'm trusting God for I'm like, OK, did God tell you he's going to give you this? Did God you see it in his word that he is required to give you this? Or, 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 or you have been unjustly accused. You can demand and believe God that justice will come about. But um, if somebody doesn't want to be with you, you can't come before God and demand that they want to be with you. That, that's called that's, it's witchcraft, right? I want God to control somebody else for my benefit. That's evil. You hear me? 
And so here's the trap that we fall into. My next graphic, if you would, please. Here's what we do. We have a desire in our heart, and we assume if I want it, it must be good. And clearly, if I want it, God wants it for me. Because most people in the world, they have created a God in their image. Most people, it is funny, for most people in the world, God hates the thing they hate. And he happens to love the things they love. And God wants them to have the things that they want. It's, it's funny. It's, it's, it's almost, almost comical when, when, when you look at it. Uh, it's almost a parody um, because people don't examine their own belief system. But, and so what we do is we have a desire. Man, I sure would want this. And so I tell God, I sure want that, God, and I can't wait till you bring it to me. And so we take it to God. We have this desire. It's birthed in our heart, and we take it to God. And then we trust that God will fulfill our desire. I talk to people who say, well, I'm just believing God for this. Are you really now? That's, that, that's, that's interesting. Is God believing himself for that? that? It might be good to get the mind of God in this thing. Next slide, if you would, please, Soana. This is not faith, right? This is, this is not faith. I need you to see this, this, this is not faith. This is, we, we, we have it backwards when this happens. This is called magical thinking. This is called witchcraft. This is, this is not faith. And the problem here is when God doesn't do it, we get frustrated with God or we get disappointed or, or, or we, we, we like, ah, oh, God let me down. I was really believing that by March I would have a new car. I'm like, that's a weird thing to put your faith in God for compared to salvation. It's kind of a weird thing to put your hope in. The Son of God putting on flesh and coming to the earth to die on a cross for your sins so that you can have eternity with God. It's weird now that your faith is in a car by March. It, it, it's almost like it's idolatry, like we've put something else before God. And I'm not saying that to be um, brutal or to be insulting. It's important that we allow our faith to be refined because God wants to move us into a place where we can walk in abundance we can walk in overcoming, but we have to have our faith purified before that happens. And so many people I meet get frustrated or they get disappointed because their grandmother didn't, didn't get healed or their uncle, you know, loved God and, and died. And you're like, if, if, if God is good, why would this Christian have died? When, when we look at this book in, in Revelation chapter 6, right? Yeah, yeah. We see that there's people who love Jesus who are murdered for the faith. That's in our book. That's part of our faith. That's our history. That's the story of our people. The story of our people is that they did nothing wrong and they were still murdered. That's a story of our God. And if your what you call faith doesn't leave room for that, your faith has not been purified yet. Let me say that again. If our faith does not leave room for the fact that we could do everything right and things still not work out the way we want it, our faith has not been purified yet. Because that's not what happened to Jesus. That's not what happened to Paul. It's not what happened to Peter. It's not what happened to James. Not, not what happened to, I mean, it's just not what happened to Andrew. It's not, name an, name an apostle. It's not what happened to them. And, and any time that we decide that our spirituality is better than the spirituality of the people who wrote this book, we might want to take a look at that, right? But I want to warn you, I'm not saying slide into fatalism. I absolutely, like, if you look at the life of Paul, it was miraculous. It was supernatural. It was amazing. It, it was beyond anything that you and I have actually seen and heard. 
And that's in here too. And so we have to hold these two things in tension. That we absolutely can believe God for a supernatural life at the same time understanding that this is a, this, this is a faith where we pick up our cross. We, we have to have a mature enough faith that holds both these. Are you, are you tracking with me now? How does faith really work? Well, here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 86. Teach me your ways, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I'll give thanks to you, O my God, with all my heart and glorify your name forever. Here's how we live in overcoming faith. Here's how we live in external faith. We pray, God, teach me your ways. Instead, we come up with the way and we tell God how to make it come to pass. What we need to be doing is asking God, teach me your ways. I do not see you in this area of my life and I'm not going to blame you. Teach me what I need to be doing in this season. Teach me what I need to be doing in this area. Teach me what I need to be doing in this relationship. Teach me what I need to be doing to get my breakthrough if that is what you have given me. Teach me to see this situation the way you see this situation. I've just seen too many saints who've prayed themselves out of the lesson that God had for them, and they don't mature into who God wanted them to be because they have so held on to their own desires as an idol, it never gets to mature into external faith. Next slide, if you would, please. Sawana, here's how I believe it's supposed to work. We are to learn God's ways. After we learn who God is and what he's about in a certain area, we're supposed to seek his ways. Try to live the way God has told us to live. Third step, profit. That's how we live. Learn God, seek God, profit. Let's say it together. Learn God, seek God, profit. That's it. We begin to profit when we live in God's ways of how he wants us to live. We spend a lot of time asking God to do stuff instead of asking him to reveal himself to us so we can know his ways and then produce lives that honor him. Let me say this. When we live the life of faith, we live a life that fulfills our purpose. When you live a life of faith, you live a life where you actually are embodying the the purpose of God in your life. You actually, what your heart is longing for, what the people of South Florida are longing for is to know their authentic self. And so there's so many ways where people teach them what their authentic self is. And These people didn't create them, yet they're giving them an identity that didn't even know is made for them. They didn't even they didn't didn't even come from God. It's just somebody who you think has it figured out and they tell you how to look like you have it figured out like I do. But what we really long for is to walk in purpose. We long to be connected to something bigger than us. We long to have our spirits made alive. And that only happens when we live a life of faith. When God reveals his ways, we're supposed to have faith that we can be like him. And we have to spend time with God to know him. This this isn't a a phrase that you just repeat to yourself. This isn't there's no magic incantation that turns you into a child of God. It's not a it's not a phrase or a mantra. It is a process of knowing God and experiencing him. We spend time in his presence. We spend time understanding his word. And until you know that you know he has revealed his will to your life, you keep seeking God. 
I'm here to tell you this is the way of formation. Anything that is opposite the will of God is injustice. Anything that's opposite the will of God is injustice. In Florida, I'm, uh, this, I'm, I'm going to be slightly political for a second, but it's not really political. We got, um, there's, our, our politics in Florida is kind of crazy right now. Have you noticed? Has anybody followed it? It's, it's getting a little crazy. And, and so the state of Florida just came out with a new curriculum. Have, have, you, have you read about this in the last couple of days? They have, um, in the state of Florida, They've now mandated that when you talk about the era of slavery, the the schools are supposed to teach that the enslaved people learned skills that made their life better. And I'm like, this is wicked. This is this is this is this is this is evil. This is unjust. This is unrighteous. This is not Christian. And you're like, oh, stop talking about politics. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about lying. I'm talking about devaluing people. God is against this. I don't hear any amens. I don't really care. God is against this. This is evil. Any, any system that, that, that says like it's okay to enslave people is evil. Any, any, any system, like Kentucky just recently voted down a law to make it illegal to marry children. Like that's evil. Like why would you, like, why would you not vote for that? I'd vote for that in a second. And I want to know the people who wouldn't vote for that. And I want to keep them away from my kids. Right? Like, they are not serving in revival kids. Amen. Like, we are living in crazy town right now. Like, crazy town. We got, we got, we got one group of people who is like, want to marry children. And we got another group of people who wants children to be able to do surgery things that you should not be doing to children. Right? Like, it is... It is crazy town out there. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. It's crazy town. And, and because they are like this judge, they do not fear God. You would have to not fear God to believe these things. We, as Christians, have to be able to operate in faith and understand what his will is. So in today's scripture, we, we see a judge that, that didn't respect people or fear God. And in the story, Jesus says that about him, and he says it about himself. I don't fear people or, or, or respect God. But he started messing, watch this, with a praying woman. Oh, you make a mistake when you start messing with a praying woman. When you start messing with a praying woman, you are in for a bad time. Life is about to get difficult when you mess with... There is no, I'm, I am convinced that there is nothing a woman of prayer cannot accomplish. I am absolutely convinced that there is nothing on this planet that can hold back a woman of prayer. This church was built on praying women. Many of you are here today because of a praying mother or a praying grandmother. These women stand in the background of so many churches, but these churches are being held together by praying women who see their families falling apart and they get a hold of God and they don't let go. They just hold on till their grandkids get saved. They hold on till their kids start serving God. They just hold on. I tell you, if you want to mess, Jesus is telling us right here, oh, he don't made a mistake. I don't respect people and I don't fear God. But the praying woman came into his life. 
Watch out there now. Now, I got to tell you that you don't mess with the wrong people because a praying woman would be like, all right. And then just go to the prayer closet. She'd be like, I know your boss, Jesus. And I'm going to spend some time with him. And he's going to set all this straight. You get a praying woman on a case. I tell you what, I meet older women. We had a, um, we had a beautiful saint who led um, uh, worship here about a month ago. And uh, her, her mother, and I believe her grandmother, was it her mother and her grandmother was here? Her grandmother was here. I saw that woman. I just saw the glory of God. I was like, that's a woman of prayer. I said, I need you to pray for me because God knows your number. I mean, I mean, like he hears your voice. Like some of us, I feel like we call and he just like immediately just like go to voicemail, right? Like, like you just got to, he, he leaves you on red. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, I'm, I know you get this, God. I know you're getting these messages. I know they're getting there. And they're just left on red. But he's like, he's picking her up. Like, he got a special ringtone, right? You know, these, these, these praying women, they got a special ringtone that make them happy. And he just starts, because they've just been talking so much. I'm like, I need you to pray for me, because I know God hears your prayers, right? Like, I, I, I believe this. I believe that a praying woman will move some things. And we got this, we got this praying woman. It says this in verse 4. It says, for a while, the, the judge was unwilling. But afterwards, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her justice. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. She will wear me out. You know that a praying woman will wear you out. Sometimes, sometimes, I'm telling you today, this is going to be a breakthrough for some people in this room today. Sometimes you just got to wear out the devil with your prayers. You got to wear out the devil with your intercession. You got to wear out the devil with your declarations. You got to wear out the devil with your rebuking. You just got to wear him out. I'm reminded, I, I, like, I'm flooded with stories that this happened. Flooded with stories. I, uh, I see more deliverances happen when I just refuse to stop praying. You know what I'm talking about, Duke? Sometimes you just see him there and you're just like, I could wait. Like, you, you, you will be leaving. You can stay and be tortured in this person, or you can just eliminate the suffering and leave now. Like, it's totally up to you. I'll just speak to a demon sometimes. I know you're there. You know you're there. I know you're there. Just leave. I mean, because I'm not going anywhere. And I'm just going to call down fire on you until you leave. Like, this is, this is just going to be a suffer fest for you. And I promise you, I got more time here than you do. Because I got the word of God. I got the authority of God. I got the name of God. I got the blood of Jesus. I, I got all these things. I got the spirit of God working on my behalf. You can just be tormented here as long as you want. But I will wear you out and you will leave. Sometimes you've just got to fast and pray until you see the breakthrough. You've just got to hold on declaring what God said until those things get breakthrough. You just got to wear them down sometimes. Anybody with me here? You just got to wear it down. Watch this. Verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Oh, some of you, some of you just like this, this scripture is going to be the key to your breakthrough. He tells a story about this woman who wore down the judge. And I'm going to help you out a little bit here. Let me give you a little, little Bible keynote here, right? A little, little cheat sheet. If Jesus says something, it's the truth. You could, you could take that to the bank. It will never change. So Jesus tells this little story about a woman wearing down the judge. And then Jesus says, 
Will not God bring justice for his elect? Are you saved? Are you saved? If you're not, take care of that because this, this, thing, this ain't going to help you at all. Will, will, will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Watch this, verse 8. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. Oh, Jesus. That gives me some authority. That, that, that gives me some, this gives me some authority. I now am not just supposed to, supposed to just sit and suffer in this life. So many people look at Christianity like, oh, this is, oh, I just, I can't do this, I can't do that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know, why would you want to live unrighteous? What in your life would make you think that living unrighteousness would be better? This, 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 like you're looking at this all wrong, the wrong paradigm. What I get to do is live in the kingdom of God, which people have wanted to do for thousands of years. I get to do it. I, I, I get to live in the presence of God. I don't have to go to the temple. I don't have to be the priest once a year who gets to go beyond the veil. I personally get to sit in my home office and just wait on God, and he comes into my home office. It's that, that, like, why, why would you not want to do that? Why would you not want to live a life that that happens? I do, and I want more of it. But Jesus says something a little farther here. He says, if you see an injustice, will he not bring about justice for you quickly? Hmm. hmm. So this, is, this, this, this unlocks possibilities here. What are we supposed to do about this? Now, this is not magic. You can't manipulate God to do what you want him to do. But when you know the mind of Christ, Jesus tells us what to do about it. He said he's coming at the end of the age, but I wonder, I wonder, maybe, maybe there's an appointed time that each of us is going to meet up with Jesus in our injustice. Maybe, 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 maybe there is an appointed time that he's going to come and visit us in the midst of our calamity. And Jesus is like, listen, you have prayed over this thing you brought it before God, or God sees your injustice, and at one moment, the Son of Man, the Deliverer, the Righteous One, the, 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 the propitiation for our sin, the one who, who, who brings about God's plan, when He shows up, will there still be faith there? Will there be faith for Him to act on, to bring justice in your situation? Or do we just throw it up and we just live in injustice? We just live in the sin. We stop praying. We don't pray day and night. We may have thrown up a prayer here and there, but we stop having faith in God. We stop faithfully believing for the external manifestation of God's will in our life. Jesus is like, man, I'm going to show up at some time because God, God absolutely will send me because it's impossible for Him not to. But when I show up, will I find faith when I get there? We cry out for something to God, then we move on to something else, and now the thing that Jesus wanted originally to do, we can't even receive it because we don't even want it anymore. We came up with our own thing. And he's not going to violate our will. <clears throat> I, um, so many people I've seen in my little walk with Jesus give up right before the breakthrough. It's weird to watch. I'm going to tell you a story. I don't want you to read too much into it. But um, uh, Pastor Tracy and I planted a church before we planted this church. <clears throat> and um, 
we, we weren't the lead pastors of it. And we had a worship leader <clears throat> who was uh, believing God for a husband. Now, don't read too much into the story for yourself unless God tells you to. And uh, this story's going to get weird for a second, and then it's going to get a little weirder. But um, it's summertime. It's a summertime story, right? So, so it was a small church. It was a church plant, and there was only a handful of us there. And there was only a little handful of single people. And, uh, and uh, I was one of two single guys. Pastor Tracy was one of two single women. And I guess they started doing math. <laughs> right? I don't know how many people there are in South Florida, but apparently there's only two guys, you know, on the list. I don't know. And, um, and uh, out of the two options, one was not a candidate, as far as I was concerned. If, that, if I could just, just, be, just be kind. And um, one day I was in prayer, and uh, I had been saved, I don't know, about a year and a half at this point, um, and the Lord told me that Pastor Tracy was my wife. Many of you know this story. I've told it many times. The Lord told me that Pastor Tracy was my wife. We weren't dating or anything. He just told me. Um, he didn't say Pastor Tracy. He said Tracy. And um, yeah, um, and he told me that's, that, that's, that's my wife. And so, and so I uh, had saved up some money for something stupid. And um, I decided that the, God didn't tell me that something stupid. He told me to get engaged. So I, I spent my money on an engagement ring. And I asked her out on a date. And uh, on the date, I proposed. Uh, because God had told me that was my wife. And, uh, and the Lord had told her 10 days earlier that I was supposed to be her husband. And the Lord told her, trust me that I'll make it come to pass. Right? And so, and so we got engaged. So when I proposed, it was kind of a surprise to her. Uh, I proposed. She said yes. I went for the kiss. She gave me a hug. A little weird. <laughs> a little. I've forgiven. I believe my heart is healed. I'm not totally sure. I'm like, I gave you a diamond and I got a hug. I'm not sure. Am I the only fiance in the friend zone? I'm not sure what's happening right now. It's how do I read this? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to read this. But, but, but it was our first date, and so I, she's like, I'll, I'll be engaged. I'm not sure I'm ready for that level of intimacy. I don't know. I don't know exactly. Um, but, 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 but that's what happened. And so, and so this other girl in the church was her, was her best friend at the time uh, and went back, and um, she was really mad. This girl was really mad, which, you know, I, I get that. You know, you know, I'm like, I get that. Uh, but... <clears throat> Uh, but um, she got like, but then she got more mad, and then she like stopped talking to us. And we're like, I don't like. We just went to church together. I'm sorry, you know. I don't, I, you know, I, you know, uh, I don't understand what's happening here. And um, and she was she was part of our lead team, and she was our worship leader. And then she just got more and more bitter. And then um, we got married, and uh, and then and then she left the church. And and here's a woman. I was like, man, this is so weird. You, you, you had a job in Gainesville where we lived. She had a, a good job. She was a, I don't want to uncover her, but she, she was a professional, had, had, you know, a graduate degree and all that and specialized licenses and all that good stuff. And uh, she got so mad, you know, she quit her job up there to come here to plant a church and all that and at the church. And she got so bitter, she left. And we were just like, well, if I could just be completely honest, like, I'm glad your funky attitude left. Not, not for nothing. I'm just... I, I'm, I was immature then, though, right? I was immature. A, a little, little less mature. 
Um, and so anyway, so she left. And uh, we, we went on our honeymoon, came back, all that good stuff. Had a, had a nice little life. And um, um, we were expecting a child. And um, when your church is really small, you get excited about any visitors, right? When it's super small, you're like, oh, a new person. And it weirds them out and they don't come back. So you try to, you try to not... You try, you try to not be too weird about it. Um, and so this guy came, and he was, like, super cool. I was like, this guy is really cool. I really like this guy. And I was talking to him. I was like, man, this is, I, I hope he sticks around. I hope he sticks around. And I was talking to Jesus, and Jesus said, oh, he, he, he's not coming back. I was like, no, there's not that many of us. I like him. And he's like, that was her husband. That's what he said to me. That was her husband. I was like, dang, dang, that's. Eesh, that's unfortunate. And so, so um, years later, fast forward, like way, way, way fast forward. We, um, the church that we got sent out of in Gainesville, like Jesus Culture was doing a, a, a concert, whatever they call it there. What, you know, Christian artists don't do concerts. It's a concert, right? Um, it's a worship service, special worship service, concert. And so, um, and so I'm a pastor now. And so they, you know, we asked, hey, can you give us some good seats? And we got to sit with pastors in the front and whatnot. And we showed up there, it was like 15 years later, 18 years later. My wife says 10, so we'll call it 12. 12 years later, we show up, she's still single. I was like, dang. And, and then she was like, bitter still. I'm like, oh, that's like, man, you had a blessing waiting for you. And, and, and your inability to stay faithful to what God had told you, like you knew God told you to be at this church and your unfaithfulness cut you off. I, like I grieved internally and I tried not to rejoice, right? Like I tried not to be like, you should have been nicer to my wife, right? Like I tried not, I tried to look at it like a Christian and just intercede for this person. But to think that us not obeying God's plans, not having consequences, not obeying God's plans has absolute consequences in our lives. We may not see it right away, but your continual faithfulness to God brings about blessings. This is, this is important and we need to learn this. We need to, we need to be present in faith for our time of visitation. God needs you to learn this so you can operate in the faithfulness of God, not just for your blessing, but so you can tear down the walls blocking other people's blessings. By this woman's faith, she was able to make the judge operate in righteousness. Now, the judge would be blessed for this. Because of her prayer, because of her standing on God's righteousness, now the judge started operating in righteousness. This is external faithfulness. This is demanding what God has shown me in my life to manifest in my life. What God has shown me is unrighteous. I will contend for that thing to be done away with. Through this woman's faith, she brought justice into the courtroom. Did you see this? Jesus repeatedly said that our trusting in the faithfulness of God should affect our relationship with other people. Time and again, it should affect our relationship. Because I walk in faith, it's supposed to affect the people around me. Look at this, Mark 16. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
This is external faith. This is me saying, Jesus said it, so I am now going to allow my faith to grow, and so my faith can create justice where there is injustice. Demonic oppression on people who are created in God's image is injustice. And we should see that demonic oppression and it be our heart's desire that I am going to work that devil out of you if it takes me all year. I am going to speak truth into your life until you learn to love truth and hate the devil so the devil has nowhere to live in your life. We see people like, man, this is God's child and they're being afflicted by the devil. I am going to get the word of God in them until God manifests in their life. So there's somewhere for Jesus to live on the inside of them. This is external faithfulness. You're like, I don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. You know how to preach the word. You know how to invite them to the place of encounter. You know how to pray. You know how to say, man, that, that no, this ain't, this ain't cool. I, I'm not joking about this with you. That's not funny. Like this is, we know, we know what justice is. John chapter 20, Jesus said this, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I send you, say me. He sends you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Like that's that's authority. That's authority over unrighteousness. That's authority over injustice. There is if you have never done this, I want you to make a covenant with God, say in the next year, if you've never done this. I am going to lead someone in salvation. I am going to tell someone about Jesus and I'm going to hold their hands. I'm going to give them an opportunity to meet the King of glory. I tell you, the first time you do that, you will be addicted to it. There is nothing, nothing greater than watching somebody get saved. Watching somebody's spirit man come alive. Watching the Holy Ghost come into their life and their life be completely wrecked by the presence of God. There is nothing on this earth. There is nothing on the earth below or the heavens above that is greater than salvation. Than seeing this comes in. I mean, it is, it is beautiful. It is glorious. There's nothing greater. Jesus said this in Matthew. He commanded his disciples. This is before his resurrection. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the levers, cast out demons, Freely you've received, freely give. I want to say that last sentence again. Freely you received, freely give. Have you received anything from Jesus? You're supposed to give that away. This is external faithfulness. I am now faithful with what Jesus has given me. I am faithful. Listen, it's warm in here. Have you noticed? We got a fire emblem on the door. You got to kind of expect that, right? Like it's just, we warned you before you came in. It's the middle of summer. Our AC is struggling a little bit, but God is moving right now. Amen. We're going to let God do something in us and we could swim in a pool later. But focus on what God wants to do in your life right now. Listen, oppression is of the devil and we're supposed to do something about it. The faith you have on the inside of you is miracle working faith. And whatever you have been given by God, you can give away. Hear me. Whatever God has given you, you can give away. 
And when you give away what God has given you, it multiplies in your life. You don't actually have less. You actually get more. Why? Because like, if you own a Target, I don't know if anybody owns a Target, but if you were to own a Target and they sell three widgets a month, they might keep one in the back. But if you're selling 100 widgets a month, they're going to keep 1,000 in the back room. They're going to keep plenty on, on stock for those who want to buy it. That's how the gifts of God are in your life. If you're hardly ever using it, you don't get a whole lot. You, you, you might have a little. You might have one or two dusty on the shelf. Some of y'all got some dusty gifts on the shelf right now. They're just crusty, out of date. The sun has worn down the packaging a little bit. You got to blow it off a little bit just to remember what it was. You might go through an old journal and find it sitting there. It's not even active in your life. But those of you who are active in your gift, oh, there is a, there's like a, it's like a dam waiting to burst forth to get on to people. Just grace waiting to flood on other people. You're like, man, I wish I had more of that faith in my life. Just begin using the faith that you have. You're like, I'm scared to talk about Jesus. What do I do about it, Pastor? Here it is. Write this down. Talk about Jesus. That's how you do it. You just begin to talk about what Jesus has done in your life. And the more you talk about it, the more stuff he gives you. Like he will give you illustrations. The more you talk about him, the more you will see him work in your life. The more you share Jesus, the more Jesus you get to share. The more people you pray for healing, the greater healing gift you have. It's just how it works. Whom gives a little, and a little is given to him. But when you give a lot, man, exceedingly, abundantly, pressed down, overflowing shall it be in your life. Like, God wants such an anointing to be in our lives that we see injustice, and we're like, oh, I know how to take care of that right now. I know how to take care of this right now. I, I want to be the person that Jesus says, man, this person's been oppressed too long. I know Carl's got a whole watershed of deliverance anointing. Let me just send them over there because with the word, that devil's going to come out of that person. He's not going to have to wrestle. He's not going to have to fight. He's not going to have to beg and plead and scream. And oh, Watch videos online this week of people like this. Oh, the anointing's here. Let's all just mumble and hit people repeatedly. Like, that's not the anointing. That's not the anointing. That's you. Not knowing what to do, so you want to look spiritual. Here's what I'll do. I don't know what to say here. And they're shaking. I'm like, you're not going to shake it out. It doesn't come this way. This is not how the devil comes out of people. You know how it comes out? By faith. It comes out by faith. And I understand you wanting to work up your faith, but your faith is not in your body. It's in your spirit, man. The Bible says stir yourself up, and he didn't mean this way, right? He didn't say shake yourself up. That's not what he meant. He didn't mean shake yourself up. It's not it, right? He said stir yourself up by praying in the spirit, not shake up other people. That's not what he said. I, 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 you know, I... I don't like doing courtesy falls for people, but I'll do it just to get away from you every now and then. I'll be like, I'm just done with this. I'm just, oh, you're so anointed. Thank you. Is he gone? Is he gone? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. You sneak out the back door here like I'm tired of my, my neck can't take your shaking anymore. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a young man like this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Quit screaming in my ear. Please, please stop. You ever have people pray for you? You're like, 
like, I, I don't want hearing for, hearing for deafness after you pray for my knee. Like, stop screaming. God's not deaf. The demon's not deaf. I'm not deaf yet, but I will be if you keep screaming in my ear. Sweet Jesus. It's not what He's telling us. Amen. Every miracle that you receive is a revelation of God's goodness. It's a revelation of God's nature. When He's done it in your life, you're like, I know that's who He is. I know He's a deliverer. I, I know He does miracles. I, 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 see, I, see, I see these things happening, and I'm just like, yeah, that, that sounds like God. That, that sounds, like, sounds like God. When, when the Word is preached on Sunday, you're like, where do I start, Pastor? When the Word is preached on Sunday, preach it on Monday. Tell it to people on Monday. That's the anointed Word that God has anointed for this time and this season. It resonates in your heart. You just tell people about it. You just tell people about it. It's anointed. While the anointing is still on it, when you're in life group on Tuesday, Wednesday night, and you guys talk about something, you're like, oh, wow, that's good. Tell somebody on Thursday. Get the anointed working in your life. You see, the Holy Ghost of God comes and guides me as I study the Scriptures. And as, as a people, as we are walking as a people towards something, He is shepherding us. And the Holy Ghost is there anointing your reception of this Word. And He's breathing on this Word in your life. And He's doing something in your life. And what you want to do is partner with what is being preached. We've got to get out of this consumeristic spirituality. I eat a little here, I taste a little there. No, no, no. Where do you get fed? Where does God know to meet you? If God's going to send your husband, do you know where it is? Be there, right? When God is sending the prophetic Word, value it there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you partner and you watch that thing begin to work in your life. But we have to choose to follow God. We have to make the choice to follow God to build our faith. Fear comes knocking and temptations come. Let me get the band to come up or I'll just talk forever here. I'm feeling the anointing happening here. <clears throat> we have to make the choice to follow God. But following will build your faith. Listen. You make a decision today that I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to put this gospel at work in my life. The enemy comes against it. The enemy will begin working. The, en the enemy comes and fear comes knocking on your heart. Temptation starts knocking on your heart. You're prompted at work. Tell this person about Jesus. and Out of nowhere, they start flirting with you. Like I, I see more divine appointments turn into to sin, like keep God's business, God's business. Keep God's business, God's business. Keep your Sunday holy. Determine in your heart, I'm, I am going to fellowship with the saints. God knows where to find me. Pastor, I'm believing for this. Well, get where there's faith. Here's a couple things I want to give you that you can begin to work faith into your life. You can write some of these down. I've gone too long. I'm sorry, but. <clears throat> Listen, does, does God got you? Do you believe God's got you? Listen, if God's got you, God's got this. This thing that you're worried about in your life, this injustice, I want you to start saying this. God's got this. If God's got me, God's got this. I refuse to make a place for fear in my heart in the midst of this. God didn't stop being God the minute this problem came up. 
God's plan didn't change the minute this thing started creeping up. This injustice started coming against you. I've seen him do it before and I know he'll do it again. How do you do this though? You've got to spend time with God to know his heart for your life. And once you know his heart, God's got this. You declare it to yourself. You declare it to your problems. You declare it to anybody who listens. I'm going through this, but God's got it. God's got it. I'm, I'm, God's got it. This week, I want you to spend some time with God, and I want you to repeat this question. Where do you want me to trust you? Write it down. You're not going to remember. Pray this every day. God, where do you want me to trust you? This is you saying, teach me your ways. I want to know you. Teach me how you view this problem. How do you view the problem of me not being able to advance in my work? How do you see the problem of me not finding housing? How do you see the problem that I'm having with my children? How is it you want me to trust you in this? You want me to trust you by taking this bull by the horns? Or do you want me to trust you by saying nothing? You want me to trust you through my repentance? Or do you want me to trust you through my forgiveness? What is it you want me to do? How do you want me to trust you? Where do you want me to trust you? The last thing I want you to meditate on this week. How do you want me to display external faithfulness? How do you want me to display external faithfulness? For some of you, it's, it's going to be big. And for others of you, it might be small. But for you, it's big. Some of you, he's telling you, you need to start preaching the gospel to some people. But others, you just need to set some barriers with some people in your lives who are dragging you in directions that aren't healthy. Some of you need to set some godly parameters in your life. To say, I'm sorry, I can't go out with you because every time I do, it leads to nothing good. It just I, I, That's not who I am anymore. You're saying I changed. Yes, yes, as a matter of fact, I have. It's called glory to glory. Glory to glory. Some of you are being transformed glory to glory and you're a couple decisions away from your breakthrough. Maybe it's sharing your testimony with someone. Maybe it's inviting someone to church so they can hear the good news. Some of you are going to start this week by telling the voice of fear to shut up in your life. You are going to stop internalizing it and you are going to tell it Shut up. This is not the voice of God. I know God's got this. God told me to trust him in this. And you telling me it's not going to work out has to be the voice of the devil. So I am telling you to shut up this week. You say amen. Stand with me if you would. If God's got me, then God has got this. But I need to be faithful to God in my obedience to what he's told me to do.
some of you right now, I want to challenge you to make a, a faith step. Some of you, I want to challenge you to make a decision in righteousness right now. Some of y'all want right now for you to make a decision. I am going to put some godly barriers in my life. I am going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am going to invite that person to church. I am going to study the word of God. I am going to declare God's truthfulness over my life this week. Come on, just play for a second. Play for a second. Pray for a second. I want to give you a second to pray. Come on. Yeah, kids, do that. Come on. And just right now, just talk to God. He's going to put something on some people's hearts right now. Come on, 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 just pray for a minute. Amen. 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 God meet you today? Did you meet God today? Did you encounter Him today in the service of the Lord? Now go this week and be faithful to God. Let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance to you. Say it together. And give you peace. In Jesus' name. Give a clap out for the Lord for what he's done today. We love you. If you're a guest today, I'm going to be in the lobby. I'd love to meet you. If you need to just sit in the anointing for a moment, I would challenge you. I would encourage you to do that. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Absolutely. And if you want prayer for something, come forward. We'll be happy to pray for you.